the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. And as he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat, And when they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the gospel of grace. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm not Kindle. Uh, I will be reading some of her words and some of my own, and it'll be a fun guessing game for you, which or which. (laughs) So last night at our church's screening of the Netflix special, Nanette, we heard Hannah Gadsby talking about her sense of identity. She pointed out that often the categories of identity that we try to squeeze people into aren't really helpful. She talked about how people will identify her as a comedian, sure, as a lesbian, that's great, and about someone who even informed her that she was transgender, which she's not, so that was news to her. And we heard her confess that if it was all right, she really wanted to to just come out and share her true identity with us. She wanted to identify as tired. And I wonder how many of you are tired In this passage from Mark, Jesus says to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And if you're anything like me, those are words you desperately need to hear Jesus saying to you, too. And yet I'm not always sure when to rest or how. How much rest is enough? Is it okay to rest, even when things appear to be falling apart? Should I be resting when there's someone who needs my help? Jesus says to his disciples, come with me and get some rest. But then we can't help but notice what happens next. Many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. The people were waiting for them when they arrived at their resting place. This was attempted rest, but it was interrupted. Reading a story like this, we can't help but ask the question, is this the fate of the true disciple? Always tired? never free of interruption. The text says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I love that Jesus had compassion 
what if I can't? What if I'm too tired? What if I have compassion fatigue? Is the answer to keep pushing forward and to ask for God-like strength? Or is the answer to slow down and admit my human limitations? Well, as any parent knows, and as the story of Mrs. Large the Elephant clearly demonstrates, you simply cannot always get rest when you need it. Sometimes there are other priorities that we must put first. But, as anyone who has experience of any kind with burnout knows, we cannot ignore our need for rest indefinitely, or we will crash. Often, we try to look to the stories in the Bible for the moral of the story, for instructions on how we're supposed to live our lives. This gospel story is not cut out for that kind of treatment. Sometimes I think we have to hear the stories that are like this as a story, as an account of a thing that happened. And gosh, doesn't that thing that happened resonate with things that happened to you too? Much like our own lives, this gospel story is full of tension. And it is this tension between rest and works of compassion that we're exploring together today. We know that there is no one-size-fits-all answer, no formula for maintaining a well-rested body and soul. We're all on this journey. And so it seemed best to us today, even before Kindle was sick, that rather than listening to a sermon, perhaps we would do better to hear one another's stories about that tension between rest and work learning from one another, and remembering that we are not alone. I learned about rest from my mom. My mom worked while we were growing up, which was not unheard of then, but was a little bit unusual. And maybe because of that, she was vigilant about protecting her precious time for rest. When she got home from work, she did not feel obligated to do a bunch of other stuff. The enemy of rest in my mom's vocabulary is what she called mess. As in, when I get home from work, I don't want to mess with a bunch of mess. (laughs) So she enlisted my sister and me in the resistance against mess when we were young. For example, at the beginning of the school year, when my sister and I were little, she would sit us down and get right on our level and look us in our precious little faces and say, do not sign me up for anything. (laughs) Do not sign me up for room mother, or Girl Scouts, or to bake cupcakes, or to be on any committee. And absolutely, 
do not sign me up to sell anything. I don't want to mess with a bunch of school mess. The same approach applied to church mess and political mess and all kinds of other messes you can imagine. So when I grew up, I followed the same pattern that I learned from her. The key to rest is to dodge messing with mess. Uh, And so I was great at it for a long time, (laughs) but now I'm terrible at it. (laughs) My troubles with rest started in 2006. Um, I blame this church. (laughs) I've talked before about the life-changing experience I had as a result of a trip to New Orleans with our youth from Lakeshore. I won't go into the whole long story, but the short version of it is... When I went to New Orleans, I was able to rest, but I came back restless. When I got back to Waco, I felt convicted to learn more about what it means to be part of a community. I felt convicted that things were not as fair and good as they should be, and I had at least some responsibility to work on that. I started trying to figure out what I should be doing, and then I started to do things. My life is much richer now. It is also much busier. I am much more tired. It turns out that getting involved in the community leads to that thing that my mom avoided at all costs, messing with a bunch of mess. And messing with a bunch of mess eats into nap time. In the course of the year since New Orleans, I've tried to reclaim my rest time by weeding out a lot of unnecessary activity. House cleaning and yard work went out the window years ago. (laughs) Cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Truthfully, I'm not sure that was ever really on the list, so I didn't gain much there. (laughs) Rigorous attention to the actual paying job. Last year, I gave up keeping up with email, super helpful. Personal hygiene, hanging on by a slender thread. Still, I don't seem to be getting the rest that I need. I'm anxious about things I never used to worry about. I forget things, fairly important things, like what is my address? And what is the word for that white stuff you pour on cereal? We need more of that. I eat way more junk food than I should. I cuss a lot. (laughs) I cry at inconvenient times. These are signs to me that I need more rest. I recognize the need. I just haven't quite figured out what to do about it. If I'm honest, I know that this busyness is just a symptom. There's a deeper issue. There's a faith element to the ability to rest that goes beyond time management. I think before going to New Orleans, I had a very primal, deep, foundational faith that if we all just relax, most problems will work themselves out in the end. That foundational faith made it easier, at least, for me to rest. In New Orleans, I developed a crack in that foundation. 
I left New Orleans believing instead that things usually work out for me (laughs) because I am lucky enough to be a financially secure white person. Things do not always just work out for a whole bunch of other people. As I've become more involved in my community here in Waco, the crack in my foundation has gotten bigger. I've learned that things crumble and get worse if you don't work on them. I've learned that the default is often ugliness unless someone puts in the time to work for beauty. I've learned that there's a lot of work to do, a lot of mess that somebody needs to mess with, an eternal to-do list that never gets shorter. I miss the ignorant, blissful, relaxing faith I used to have, but that weighs close to me now. I can't unlearn what I learned in New Orleans and have learned since. I have to find a different way to rest, a different kind of faith. I feel like I'm starting to find patches 